Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents the conclusion of a four-part series called Fundamentals of Worship. All right, say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're going to talk about the fundamentals of worship. It's going to be part four in the conclusion in the series. And we're going to go ahead and recap a little bit about what we talked about last week. And that is the progression of worship that you find in Psalm 100. Uh, We talked about how that Psalm 100 is a model for the progression of praise and worship, not just Old Testament worship, but also New Testament worship. We also discussed the symbolism involved in Solomon's temple and in the tabernacle before and referenced with respect to Psalm 100. The temple had walls with gates, an outer court, an inner court, and a structure inside which housed a place called the holy place, and inside the holy place was the holy of holies. Amen? Only the priest could enter the holy place, and only the high priest could enter the holy of holies, and that was once a year during Yom Kippur, that's Hebrew for the Day of Atonement. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about the furniture and other items that you find in the temple, in the surrounding courtyard, in the holy place, and also in the Holy of Holies. So we're not going to go into as much detail this morning for time's sake. So if you want more details, I urge you, I admonish you, to take advantage of the podcast through our website at gofaithlife.com. Then you can listen to Fundamentals of Worship Part 1, Part 2, 3, and 4 continuously. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's get back into it by reading Psalm 100 one more time. Psalm 100, verse 1 through 5 in the authorized King James Version. Just kidding. I do like the King James, but I do branch out from it when I need to. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands. Now that that phrase there, make a joyful noise, is one Hebrew word. It's the word ruah. Ruah. It means to make some noise, to split the ears, to break something. That's what it really means. It comes from a root word, which means to break something. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, I was a Marine, and we had a thing that we did to express our unity as Marines together. It was called Hu'ah, you know. So when I read Ru'ah, I thought, that sounds pretty close to what I used to do when I was a Marine, amen? Even the Army dudes, man, they got a thing, they go Hu'ah, you know. That sounds pretty familiar too, doesn't it? Amen, hallelujah. So the word translated make a joyful noise means to split the ear of the enemy, shout unto the Lord, and break some things off of your life, amen? So the next time the worship leader or the pastor says, let's make some noise up in this place. Don't be shy. Make some noise. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're shaking and breaking. Amen. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. I think we run off every religious devil for 100 miles. We can't handle no. You know, hallelujah. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. So one of the ways we can come before His presence is to start with singing. It sounds elementary. It sounds fundamental. But there is a reason why we start with singing. We want to come into His presence, be prepared for Him to look upon us with His face, and bestow His favor and mercy and love toward us in response to our praise. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. You know, we don't just sing about the Lord here at Faith Life Fellowship, as you've already experienced. We sing to the Lord. Okay? It's okay to sing about the Lord as long as sooner or later you transition to just worship in Him for who He is because He's worthy and not because He's done something for you. Amen? That's the essence of worship. Lord, I worship you because you're worthy, not because of what you've done for me, because you are worthy. You are God Almighty. You're my creator, and you're worthy of my worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know, you come into worship, you should come in mindful of the fact that you are a created being. There is a creator, and he's the one that made you. He knows everything about you. So you might as well come before him open and honest because you're not hiding anything from the one who made you. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he is your shepherd, and you are his sheep. And I said last week, you know, being a sheep, that's not really a very flattering term, right? Bah, you know, I love the Lord, you know. But I think... The Lord is not trying to demean us by calling us a sheep. He's trying to emphasize the fact that he is the shepherd and we need to learn to hear his voice and follow him wherever he leads us. Amen. So that says to me, when we come into his presence, when we when we worship the Lord, there will be times where we hear instruction and guidance from our shepherd. Amen. Maybe something you've been struggling with for months, trying to find the answer. Do I go this way or that way? Do I take this job or that job? Do I start back school? Do I go to grad school? What do you want me to do? And one moment spent in the presence of God and the answer can come. You'll be worshiping God. You won't even be thinking about that. And all of a sudden it just drops in your spirit. Yeah, you need to go to grad school. Get in it as soon as you can and get after it. I love those moments. I've had those moments. So he's telling us that when we get in his presence, he will from time to time lead us and tell us what we need to do or show us where we need to go. Amen. Hallelujah. I love it. The Word of God is so rich, so powerful. Hallelujah. And you know, Jesus said, My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. When you're in the presence of God, the chances that you're going to hear from the enemy are minimal. Amen. Because as I said, all the devils do not want to be around a worshiping congregation. So more than likely, the voices you hear when you're in his presence, are coming from the Lord. Amen? You know, I wasn't planning on saying that, so I won't charge you anything extra for that. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. When you came into the gates of the temple, you left the outer court and you entered into the inner court. Symbolically, it says to me, you leave the troubles of the world behind you when you come into the presence of God. Amen? 
You begin with songs of thanksgiving and praise where the main focus is what God has done for you. And if you're following the leading of the Spirit, you'll eventually transition to a mode where you begin to just worship Him, like I said before, not because of what He's done for you. There's nothing wrong with that. But you need to sooner or later transition to a pure heart of worship where you just worship Him because He's Father God. He is worthy. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, get down to verse 5, and it says, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. So you see, here in the first five verses, we've come from the outer court through the gate into the inner court, and then we have begun to focus on Him. We started with thanksgiving and praise, and now we're to the point where we're talking about God his character, and his attributes, and it turns to worship, and the focus is shifted toward him, amen? It happened here this morning. We sang songs, but eventually we got to the point where we just worshiped him because he's holy and he's worthy. We started talking about who he is, what he's like, how he's holy, he's worthy. Hallelujah. He's full of glory and power, amen? Hallelujah. His mercy is everlasting. He is good, and his truth does endure to all generations. Amen. Hallelujah. So you see here in this passage from the Old Covenant, even Old Covenant saints could experience the progression of worship that we're talking about. But Psalm 100 stops short in one very fundamental way. It brings you from the outer court through the gates into the inner court, but leaves you there. You couldn't go into the holy place unless you were a priest. You couldn't go into the holy of holies unless you were the high priest. You had to let them go in there and represent you. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that is no longer the case because Jesus, our high priest, has made the way for us so that we can go into the holy place, go through the veil, into the holy of holies, into the deepest, most intimate parts and heart of God. We have access to that. Amen. I don't know about you, but that, that gets me excited. You can mingle your spirit, if you're born again, with the Spirit of God. And the Bible says, he that is joined unto the Lord, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, is one spirit. You know, we are one with the Lord right now. Whether we feel like it or not, whether we worship or not. But when you get in the manifest presence of the Lord, you can experience that oneness at a level that's not possible any other way than getting in the manifest presence of the Lord. And again, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but manifest means to make known. So, yes, we are one with the Lord uh, all the time. Yes, he is with us always. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Yes, that's all true. But when you get into the manifest presence you take that level of oneness to another level. And he begins to manifest or make himself known to you in very special ways. He could release healing. He can deliver you from oppression and depression. Hallelujah. He can give you direction that will change your whole life. Amen. All in the manifest presence. Okay. So I love the fact that he's with me always. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. 
But I also love the fact that I can go into the manifest presence and experience that oneness at a level that's not possible any other way than through worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, remember, we're saying that Psalm 100 is a picture or a type of the pattern or the progression of worship that takes you from the outer court through the gates into the inner court, but stops there. Now we're going to talk a little bit about what's in the holy place, what it typifies, what it symbolizes, and what's in the holy of holies. So, the holy place. Only the priest could enter the holy place because they were ceremonially cleansed by the water of the bronze lava, which is a type of the washing of the water of the word, Ephesians 5.26. Also, blood was shed on the brazen altar, which typified the blood sacrifice that Jesus would one day make for us to transition us from the outer courts into the inner presence of God. Amen. So the priests were cleansed by the word and by the blood before they went into the holy place. It was a type of leaving the old covenant and entering into a better covenant established upon better promises sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The priest would go through a veil. The Bible sometimes, depending on your translation, calls it the first veil and enter the holy place where there were three pieces of furniture which were used as instruments of worship. There was the table of showbread. It was a table with bread that speaks of sharing a meal, of communing with the Father God, fellowshipping with the Father God. The bread itself was unleavened, which speaks of no sin and was a type of Jesus, our sinless Savior, who also referred to himself as the bread of life. Amen? Then there was the golden lampstand. It had seven branches that burned with olive oil, an obvious type of the Holy Spirit. The lampstand makes it clear symbolically that we cannot enter into the presence of God without the Holy Spirit residing in us. Amen? The altar of incense. It was used to burn incense before the second veil, the entrance to the Holy of Holies, where the very presence of God dwelt. Incense speaks of the prayers of the saints. So if you remember that prayer is communication, uh, you can see that worship is also a, a type of prayer. And if you consider that the burning incense on that altar would pass through the veil and go into the Holy of Holies, this is a symbolic way of saying that when we enter into high praise and worship, it'll carry us into the presence of God. You begin to turn your focus on the Lord and worship him because he's worthy and for no other reason but that. And it can carry you into the manifest presence of almighty God. All right, let's talk about the symbolism of the Holy of Holies. Once you stepped inside the second veil, you entered the Holy of Holies, also called the holiest place. Some translations call it the most holy place. Okay? You couldn't get any closer to God than you could in the Holy of Holies if you were an old covenant saint. And if you weren't a priest, you would die. <laughs> Once a year, the high priest would come and offer up the blood of a sacrifice to atone or cover for the sins of the nation for that previous year. Amen. He would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the only piece of furniture that was in that room. The lid was gold-plated and fashioned with two cherubims on the top. They faced each other. Their wingtips were spread out where they touched wingtip to wingtip, and they overshadowed the lid of the Ark. Amen? Now, in the Ark, there was the two tablets that Moses 
got from God. There was Aaron's rod that budded, and there was a pot of manna in there. Amen. That's for another lesson at another time. Okay. I just want you to concentrate on the fact that above that mercy seat, it is said that the manifest presence of God dwelt either in a column of fire or a column of smoke. So it's a type of the very inmost part of the most intimate place in the heart of God. Amen. So much so that an unregenerate man, even the high priest, if he didn't do everything just right, if he left anything out, if he's out of course or out of custom or out of the law of Moses in any way, he would just drop dead in the presence of God. Thank God because of Jesus' blood, we can come in here and we can worship God and we can miss it and not drop dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you happy for that? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The common people, however, could not enter the holy place, much less the holy of holies. They had to be represented, as I said before, by priests. When the high priest entered the Holy of Holies, it was a type of the coming high priest, Jesus, who would one day sprinkle his blood of his perfect sacrifice on the mercy seat in heaven. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he would pave the way for all of us to enter the holiest and deepest places inside the heart of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me show you that in the scripture so you'll believe me. Don't believe what I say. Believe what the Bible says. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 and 38 in the Passion Translation. Just then Jesus passionately cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom, symbolizing that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed to give entryway into the Holy of Holies for anyone who would accept that sacrifice. Amen? Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 in the New Living Translation. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Can I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah! All of your sins, past, present, and future, were dealt with right then and right there once your redemption was secured. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That makes me happy. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22 in the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, listen to this. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Amen. Because of the blood of Jesus, we came into this place and we were able to walk right into the presence of God and do so boldly. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. 
it kind of reminds you of the bronze laver, which had the water in it, and also the blood sacrifice, the brazen altar. You have the blood and the water right there at the entrance to the holy place and the holy of holies. Amen. Hallelujah. So in the context of the progression of worship, because of the blood of Jesus, we can be born again. Amen. And we can come boldly into the presence of God. We can enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We can enter his courts with praise. But we don't have to stay in the courts of the Lord. We can press on into the Holy of Holies. Amen. The most intimate and holy place inside the very heart of God. And you can dwell there with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus referred to this kind of worship as worship in the Father, spirit to spirit. Worship in him in spirit and in truth. Amen. So let's talk and let's wrap this up by talking for just a few minutes about what it means to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I've heard a lot of teachers and preachers teach on that. But for me, they get way too complicated. It's really simple. Okay, so I'm going to let you know what I think that that means. And, And you can take it and receive it in the spirit intended. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In spirit. Well, first of all, let me read the scripture. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 in the New Living Translation. But the time is coming. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well in Samaria. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. So what does it mean to worship him in spirit? Well, the word translated spirit there is the word pneuma. It's a very familiar word. It means breath or wind. Amen. When God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, he breathed into that lifeless body the breath of life. And the Bible says Adam became a living soul. Amen. He took spirit and breathed into Adam's body, and so his soul and his body came alive. He became a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And that part in him that was made just like God, that came from God, that's the pneuma of God. That's the spirit of God. Now, we all know that when Adam sinned, his spirit died. Eve's spirit died. And it took Jesus to pay the price so that we could live again in our spirit. Amen? You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body. First Thessalonians 5.23 says that, okay? Second Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, amen? That means when you get born again, your spirit, your dead spirit, didn't just get healed. He didn't just get revived. He got removed and replaced, Amen? God put a brand new spirit in there. The Bible says without precedent that never before existed when you study it out. That's your spirit. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 makes it clear. It says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So there's a part of you, whether you feel like it or not, whether you realize it or not. If you're born again, there's a part of you that's perfect and righteous and holy, just like God. The challenge, obviously, of the Christian life is to get that part on the inside of you to manifest in your soul and in your body. So your entire being is in tune with the Spirit of God. Amen. 
But my point is this. You can have flaws, but there's part of you that's perfect and is able to go into the Holy of Holies and dwell and commune with a righteous, holy God. And it says the Father was looking for people like that. That's why he sent Jesus, because he wanted worshipers. He wanted people to be able to come in to his very heart and commune with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So to worship him in spirit, all that means is to worship him in your recreated, born again, hopefully for most of you, spirit-filled spirit. Amen. Then when you examine what it means to worship him in truth, it's even simpler. The Hebrew word for truth means truth. It, it, that's, that's it. There's, there's no nuances. There's no rabbit trails to follow. There's no root words to look up. Truth is truth, even in the Hebrew. Amen? So here's my take. To worship the Lord in truth is to come to him with no pretense, no deceit, but honestly and openly, realizing that God made you and he knows everything about you. He knows all your flaws. Amen. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. Listen, when Jesus asked the woman at the well for a drink of water, she tried to make a cultural argument against why they shouldn't even be talking. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. But you know what Jesus did? He eventually, he cut through all of that and he began to reveal to her that he knew every detail of her life. I know about your five husbands. I know about the guy you're living with right now. He knew all her flaws, and yet he was still looking forward to the day that she could worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Isn't that special? Isn't that awesome? Glory to God. God feels the same way about you. He knows all your flaws in your soul and your body, but he's still longing for and looking for people who will come and dwell and commune with him spirit to spirit, heart to heart. Psalm 42, 7 says, heart cries unto heart, deep cries unto deep at the noise of your water spout. All of your waves and crashers, they overwhelm me. It's talking about the presence of God. You get to a place in God where the deepest part of your heart connects with the deepest part of his heart, and there's a unity there. That's oh so special. And it was bought for you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So don't take lightly your privilege to go boldly into the holy place. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Amen. I'm a Star Trek guy. I had to get that in there. No man or woman has gone before into the presence of God in the old covenant without dropping dead. Unless they were represented by a priest. But now. You can boldly go right into the presence of the fire and the smoke and the glory and the righteousness of God. And you can say, I belong here with you, Father, because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he did for me. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let me wrap it up by saying this. The word manifest means to make known. I already mentioned that earlier, but it's worthy of repeating. So when we speak of the manifest presence of the Lord, we speak of a level of oneness where God makes himself known to us in special ways. We have access to a place where we can get to know God more deeply and more intimately 
than we've ever known him before. Amen. Psalm 91 calls it the secret place of the most high. And it's my prayer over all of you this morning that you would desire to and that you would enter into that secret place. That you would become a worshiper. That you would learn to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. That you would enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. That you would come boldly and go right into the holy of holies because you belong there. That you would worship him spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And let him take you to a whole new level in the knowledge, in the wisdom of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of Dr. Forrest's message titled, Fundamentals of Worship. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. 